What's up witches and welcome to Salem, the weirdest place on earth. On today's episode, we are welcoming this guy right here. His name is Ron Martin. If you are not watching the video, I am holding up a book called Discover Salem, a tour guide for the witch city. This came out in October, I believe, or September recently of 2020. It is a fantastic compendium for the new or returning Salem tourists, especially if you were checking out Salem around the October season. It is one of my preferred favorite Salem travel books. Highly recommend checking it out. But Ron actually does a lot more than that. He hosts a little podcast that I stumbled across back in March, April of uh, 2020 on the Salem Witch Trials. And for that podcast, he does basically a day-by-day -day accounting of everything that led up to included. And I imagine he's going to get into some post stuff on the Salem Witch Trials. It is to my money, it's it's the most accurate representation of Salem with Charles that you're going to find in any podcast, my own included. So definitely check out that. Links are in the description for the book, for the podcast. We talk about all kinds of cool stuff today. This is really two Salem nerds kind of geeking out. We broach the subject of Halloween. We talk about what it's like to have such a commercial influence and if that dampens things or heightens them. It's a really, really cool conversation for someone who's been to Salem and is, is as enchanted with it as both of us are. It's a really cool conversation for someone who's interested in Salem witch trials because I consider Ron to be somewhat of an expert um, uh, at the Salem witch trials. It's a really great conversation if you are just interested in travel and tourism broadly, especially New England tourism. Um, so I highly recommend this episode. It's a fantastic, fantastic conversation. Do check it out. Enjoy now my conversation with Mr. Ron Martin. Welcome today, Mr. Ron Martin. He wrote this book right here, as you heard in the intro, Discover Salem, a tour guide for the Witch City. This is pretty new. What, when, what date did this actually release? It would have been sub September 29th, so right September before 29th. the Halloween season. Right, and we're recording this. Uh, this won't come out until after Halloween, but we're recording this right up, what, what are we, a week away now from Halloween, something yeah. like that? Yeah. Um, and I know that that I've canceled my my entire Salem trip. Uh, I announced that publicly on Twitter a couple of days ago. Um, and you had a you had a trip coming up this year as well, right? Yeah, I had a I had a trip. I was going to be full moon Halloween uh, in Salem. Then I scaled that back uh, due to the unpleasantness of the world. Uh, and actually, originally. I was like, okay, I'll just stay a couple of days, uh, a few days during the week when it won't be, you know, as bad. And, um, and actually today, I was, I was supposed to be driving back from Salem today. Like oh, right my God. Just hitting Ohio. Uh, so, yeah, I canceled that because of the issues they've been having uh, in Salem with tourism in October. Yeah. I, I, During I, a I, pandemic. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've been following it this week at all or not, but they've they've effectively just told everyone – not to bother, just don't come this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the Discover Salem Facebook page, I've been keeping people updated uh, on that as much as I can um, from here. Like, I, list, I listened to the press conference, you know, uh, yesterday, or was it Wednesday? Maybe it was Wednesday, where they, were, they put out all the whole new rules for visiting Salem and how they were gonna try to, you know, kind of tamper, uh, that's not the right word. Uh, tamp it down, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it makes sense. I, I obviously, as someone with a kind of vested interest, um, running to Salem, I, I've been watching this since 
April, really, trying to, mm -hmm. you know, wait and see what they were going to do. And I made a video on the on the channel and was updating the the site page where that video lived as new information was coming out. But, you know, it, we didn't really get firm answers to anything until like a week ago, which is kind of crazy. Um, I, I, I'll be interested to see what Salem looks like in November, December, like, like how the residents are, are responding to this because everything I'm seeing, man, is like people are in Salem are, are terrified and furious. <laughs> sure. I mean, I would be too. I would be too. It's the double-edged sword of, you know, living in a tourist town, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's roll back a little bit. Um, I want to talk about how how you got to Salem because we share something. We share a few things actually, um, and I want to, if we can, try and figure out how and why we share those things. But we okay. we, have, we have these interesting connections between us where neither one of us live in Salem. You didn't grow up anywhere near Salem, right? No, no, no. no. I live in Indiana. Indiana, well, a thousand miles away. Is that where you grew up, Indiana? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Um, I, I've got family in Indiana, actually. I've spent a good amount of time there. Um, I grew up in the South, and so I, I didn't go to Salem until I was an adult. Same for you? Yep, yep. So, but both of us were exposed to it via the Crucible, I think. Is that true yeah, for you as yeah. well? Well, I mean, I'd always known about it, and it was always something I was excited to talk about, like, in history class, which always amounted to, like, I don't know, four sentences in a history book. Right. Uh, and then I really got introduced to it, yeah, through The Crucible. Yeah, I was cast in the school play of The Crucible. As John Proctor, right? No, I wish. John Proctor. We have some really good actors at my school. I went to a large school. I was Thomas Putnam. Oh, cool. That's a great role. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. Which um, I just recently, in the last, I want to say in the last five years, uh, found the grave of Thomas Putnam. It was unmarked in Danvers. Oh, I've not been to that. I didn't know anything. Yeah, about it's a that. little cemetery. You have to pull up. It, 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 you can't go into the cemetery because it's private property. Uh, but from the gate, you can see this large hill um, just just inside the cemetery on like the left side, and that's where um, Thomas and 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 Junior are all buried. Wow! I have to check that out. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's pretty surreal, honestly. I bet. A lot of that stuff out in Danvers is surreal. The nurse homestead is so surreal to me. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in, in Danvers. I think a lot of Salem tourists, you know, if they're there for the witch trial stuff, um, kind of miss out on because it's because it's, you know, five miles away and there's not a trolley that goes there anymore. There used to be the Salem historical tours used to have a trolley that went there, but I don't believe that they do anymore. Uh, that's why I tried to highlight it in my book. So if people we're actually coming to Salem uh, for witchcraft trial history, which is originally why I went to Salem was for the witchcraft trial history and kind of just fell in love with all the other aspects of Salem. Um, then they would know, hey, there's all this cool stuff in Danvers too. Let's take a let's take a day and do all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's hard to get people out there because it's just not it's not very sexy either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, downtown sexy downtown Salem's very sexy with all the shops. Yeah, and yeah, quick, yeah, sure, um, sure. And literally, like all these landmarks, these uh, landmarks from the Salem uh, witch trials, sixteen ninety two uh, landmarks, are like in the middle of neighborhoods. So it's not like you know you don't have a cool uh, witch shop and then you know an ice cream shop and then some historic landmark 
for the witch trials. You have, here's the witch trial memorial and directly across the street is a neighborhood. That's where the old church used to be, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, when so I'll tell you the, actually the, uh, the foundation of the parsonage, have you been there? I have, yeah. Yeah, that's a really, that was like literally in somebody's backyard. Uh, but I would highly recommend that if you're into the studying the witch trials, because I got a really serene and like weird feeling there. Like it's it's very cool. I've been there several times. It's strange. I, I, I've had a weird feeling at almost all of the Danvers spots that mm -hmm. I've been to. There is something mm -hmm. very strange about it. Um, it's a shame. I, you know, I don't know how you get people out there really, other than just tell them that it's out there. Because you're right. Because yeah, you really can't take a walking tour out, out to Danvers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and yeah, all you can do is, 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 is tell them. It's really cool, though, to go to that um, foundation because you can walk down into the basement and be like, this is where it all started. This is where, you know, the girls heard the stories and, you know, and got all uh, possessed and feelings of guilt, depending upon, you know, your belief of what actually happened. Right, right. Yeah, so, so you you're you're interested in salem you're in the crucible in high school at what point do you actually go for the first time when i finally have a job that will pay me to go on a vacation <laughs> so i'm like 26 years old i finally have vacation days i have a job i'm like wow you're gonna pay me to take time off that's awesome so i needed to take a week off and i didn't know uh, well i actually didn't even really think of anywhere else i'm like i want to go to salem uh you know and this is the first time i went was about maybe maybe a month after 9-11 wow so i was on a plane yeah i was on a plane it was um i flew into hartford instead of boston because uh, i had a friend who went with me and she drove, drove us up to to salem um but it was salem itself was was pretty much like it is now i mean well 20 years ago like it is now i mean there's only a handful of businesses that have been there since 2001 i'm sure you know that yeah um because like I said in the book, Salem, like uh, like Walt Disney World will never be complete and, 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 and changes all the time. All the time. I'm curious yeah. to see what's going to look like, you know, a year from now or so. Cause I mean, even since I've written the book, uh, uh, there's been new new places that have opened up. And um, unfortunately, there probably will be places that close because of the pandemic. Like since I've been there last, I know the theater's closed. Um, I know that you went to a new witch shop that I've never experienced. That's brand yep. so brand new. That's the last time I've been there, yeah. So my first thing, like I, I, I mentioned in the book, the, the first thing I do when I get there, I just walk around town because it's to see what's different, what's changed. Yeah, it. There's beer works closed. Did you hear about that one? No, I love beer works, and the thing that sucks is I was really uh, sad because when I finished the book, I left beer works out. Ah. Oh. I just wow. completely spaced it, um, but I didn't know. I didn't know that it closed. Yeah, they had a weird, they, they closed pretty quick. They had a weird thing going on with their lease where, you know, there's this new, uh, and this may open up a, a larger conversation. There's this new hotel. It's like a Marriott, I think. Um, down, it's kind of down by the Broad Street and like, sort of Broad Street Cemetery-ish area, like kind of mm -hmm. down a little bit mm -hmm. towards the canal, but the opposite direction from Pickering Wharf. I don't know what that neighborhood's called. Um, uh, it's down around there. And um, that hotel chain 
has opened up like this, this, that it's popping up so close to downtown, there's others who want in on that. And so the land that Beer Works was on, the leaseholders decided to, I don't know if they've officially given it to a hotel yet or not, but they, Beer Works was up for renewal and they decided, since they were closed for COVID, uh-huh. the leaseholders just decided they weren't going to renew it and they were instead eyeing a hotel. So they didn't even shut down because of like good reasons. Like they couldn't survive. They probably could have survived. It was just their lease owner decided. Yeah. Cause they had a pretty robust restaurant business in there as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they had that whole parking lot. They could have put tables out on, I guess. Yeah. Had that done it. area for sure. Yeah. And I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read up on it since the story broke. So maybe something's different now, but yeah, I had no, I had no idea of all the things I looked at that was never mentioned. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It was a weird one. I think they were waiting for an excuse. That's the way it seemed to me. It was like they wanted to put the hotel there and this was their The excuse. landowners? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, hotel, ho- well, I guess in October, hotels are hard to come by. Uh, I, I guess better a hotel than like a McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you come, you come in 2001. How soon is it after your first visit that you come back? 2002. October. So it's very, is it very much like sort of a yearly thing since the first time you've come? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've missed one year in October since 2001. Well, not including this year. Um, but then I made it up because I went uh, twice a year, couple for a couple of years. I went in oh, there. Nice. Just to, one, just to see what it was like, you know, not October. Uh-huh. Uh, two, uh, because I, I had this idea for this book a long time ago, and I, w- I went in October, just, or I'm sorry, in April, uh, just to get information and pictures and experience some hotels and things, which I have not been able to do in October. Uh, right. me, you know, um, the book's not doing well enough so that I can afford $600 a night for a hotel. It's crazy. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you have to pay what? Probably from Indiana, it's what, three, four tanks of gas each way? Um, yeah, I get a rental car. Yeah, it's probably... Probably, yeah, about three or four tanks of gas, yeah. Yeah, then plus that hotel. I think that's something that when people who aren't, you know, close to Salem ask about Salem Halloween, I'm always like, it's really fun, but it's really expensive. It adds up really quickly, especially if you're going to stay, like, in downtown Salem. I mean... Yeah, that's why we always stay in Danvers. Yeah, Danvers is the way to go. We, yeah, we they, started doing Airbnbs in, like, Gloucester. Um that's that's way more affordable too and it's it's nice because the commuter rail runs through that whole essex heritage reason region so you can stay in any of those northern cities and then pop down for like three bucks sure the commuter rail is great there's a great you have a great transportation system in massachusetts uh i was just looking at airbnbs for the first time this year especially from the trip i was supposed to be coming back from today there was a really um affordable airbnb this like literally like a block from essex, essex street oh wow which would have been like by far the closest i'd ever say to, like to the action yeah but you know i've stayed at the hawthorne i've stayed at the waterfront i've stayed at the salem Inn, i've stayed at the morning glory bed and breakfast what's um, your uh what's your favorite hotel spot you stayed at so far from the uh ooh. it's hard i know <laughs> probably i'm not you know the hawthorne's great I, I, you know all four of those i just mentioned are great um I'm going to say the Salem Inn, um, only be, their rooms are really expensive, but every room's completely different. Yeah. Um, 
inside the different they have three buildings yeah yeah so inside the building that i was in anyway i would do what's the corwin house um the night that i was there i like i had there was no one else there because it was the middle of april right right so i had the run of this complete like mansion like house it's that yellow one right what's that it's that big yellow it's the yellow house by uh yeah right off of essex street yeah right 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 and it's very much like a living game of clue or that dark and scary night in the haunted mansion feel because it's such a large all those houses out there all those federal style houses are so large uh, and being a person who lives in like you know a tiny ranch house uh it's just a different experience like i and they have complimentary sherry so you can sit in the common room and, and sip your sip your sherry and act like you're in some sort of Victorian age murder mystery. Right, right. <laughs> so that appealed to me. Um, so that's probably my favorite of the four, but it is the most expensive because each room is so different uh, and, and very large. The rooms are very large. Um, this past, I had, a, I had a trip in May I was supposed to take that obviously got canceled as well. And I was going to try uh, Hotel Salem and, and, um, Shoot, what's the name of the hotel that's in the Joshua Ward house now? I just uh, the um, the merchant. The merchant. Uh, and I was going to stay in the George Washington suite at, in the merchant. Um, so I was really excited for that because I'm. Yeah. I've also done amateur ghost hunting, so. Oh, fascinating. Uh, that would have been a really cool stay for me, but uh, maybe right. next year, maybe 2021, maybe maybe I'll definitely get in there at some point. Yeah, that place is supposedly. Uh, well, you know, a few days from now, was it tomorrow? Is tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow, the audio drama comes out, which is has a little bit to do with that spot. Sure, hand. Um, absolutely. So that place is supposedly, I've never stayed in the Merchant. I've never even been inside the Merchant, although- I haven't either. I haven't either. Yeah. I've been on the ground several times. They used to have the tours back in the early 2000s where you could go behind the building and you could kind of walk around the area. You couldn't go into the gate or into the building. Uh, now that now can't even do that obviously they just stand across the street hmm. uh, tours i believe uh, but i'd love to go inside i've seen pictures from inside you know the famous uh ghost lady in the from the 70s yeah. uh picture that's a pretty that's a pretty cool picture that's a good one it's i well it's not the most haunted i think people say the hawthorne is the most haunted in terms of sheer like volume and variety um but it definitely the the stories you read from the merchant are terrifying to me um doesn't that have like the seal of the travel channel uh yeah. having named it one of the most haunted places in america i think so yeah whenever the ghost hunters shows come to salem they never go there it's always born mm -hmm. it's always the witch house they do the witch house or hawthorne that the witch guy, house, yeah. zach baggins i think did the, the witch house when he was there yeah which i've never uh, to be honest with you i i've had two paranormal experiences in my life one of which was in Salem, um, and it was at the Hotel Salem. And it was at the Hotel Salem literally maybe two, three weeks after it opened. I mean, it was- Yeah, so pretty recently, huh? So pretty recently, in the last yeah. three years, yeah. It was last, was it last Halloween? I think it was, no, it was the Halloween before last. Um, the Halloween before last, it had just opened, and um, we decided to stay there, my wife and I, because it was new, and we wanted to check it out. And literally, like, like 
it was unfinished. It was so newly open. There were still like sure, spots in sure. the room where drywall wasn't painted and stuff <laughs> like that. And um, it was like one o'clock in the morning. Everything was sh shut down. Uh, as you know, even on a normal year these days, Salem pretty much shuts down on Halloween night at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. They push everybody to the commuter rail by 11, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it was well past that. Um, my favorite experience around Halloween in Salem, I, well, not my favorite, but among my favorite, is I love going out and walking well after the crowds are gone, like midnight, 1 a.m., stuff like that. I love just being in the environment in sort of the post-celebration haze. Um, and then the next morning, the morning of November 1st, is like my favorite morning. I, honestly, this year when I decided I wasn't going to go, it was the thing that I was immediately like, ah, God, I don't get to do November 1st now because <laughs> there's something about sitting in like the Red Line Cafe or Gulu Gulu, any of these coffee shops or breakfast places where you can see out onto Essex Street. There's something about looking out at Essex Street on November 1st. There's, you know, there's pamphlets kind of on the street. There's like confetti. Sure. There's the trash cans are, are a little bit overflowing. The, the crews are starting to clean it up. There's just something so... I don't know what it is. There's, it, it's so, there's such a sense of like disc, discord or something. And you see mm -hmm. the, the residents of Salem starting to emerge and walk around and they're like, <laughs> from happy. <hiding> yeah, from <laughs> hiding. they're like glad that they get their city back. And there's just something about that, that morning that, uh, that I really, really love. Anyway. So it, it was like one o'clock in the morning and my wife had fallen asleep and I was like, I have trouble sleeping all the time. So I was, I was sitting up, uh, flipping through a book that I had gotten. And I was thinking about going for a walk. And as I'm sitting there, the shower door, which the room we were in, it didn't really have a bathroom door. It was just an open entryway. And so you could see straight into the shower. The shower door just like creaked open. And I instantly felt this you know the feeling if you've done amateur ghost hunting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I instantly had that feeling, which is so hard to describe, but it was just this like, oh God, this is it. Like, oh, oh God, this is it. This is real. <laughs> this is happening. And so that sense of like not being alone, that sense of something not being right, of like dread and like oh, I'm out of control in this moment. I don't mm. know what's about to happen. That whole thing washes over me. And I watch as the shower door stops like halfway through opening and shuts again, but doesn't shut all the way. And then opens back up. And I'm just like staring at it. And in my head, I, I just like admit it to myself. I'm just like, this is a ghost. Like there, there's something weird going on here. And when that happens, there's like three knocks on the wall behind where my wife is sleeping. Very, not like, you know, boom, boom, boom knocks, more just like, like letting someone know. That's how it was, it was like a quick rapping, like sort of a nonviolent, not threatening, just like a pop, pop, pop. And yeah, I took, most of them aren't, aren't threatening. Yeah, it, it wasn't that way at all. And I, and I took it to mean like that um, whatever it was, was just like saying, yeah, I'm here. This is cool. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, well, that area was under construction for like two years, right? So um, it, we know that uh, changing things around construction process really brings out 
the spirits and sometimes most of the time they're not really uh down with it because they won't you know they like things how they were uh, how they remember them so it could have just been that the person the ghost had experienced uh was just kind of checking out the new the new threads so to speak and 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 experimenting with a new area that they had to work with that's a weird location though um i don't know of anything that's happened there i had a, where the hotel salem's at i mean obviously had a history of a ton of different uh shops and things that were right. in winter like every single year i would go to salem that'd be a different different shop everything from a costume shop to a witch shop to to uh a lizzie borden museum which is one of the impetuses for the me writing that book people should have warned people not to go into that place. Uh, ah. So if I'd had the book, then I'd been like, ah, don't go in here. Don't waste your $15. Yeah. There's a few places like that still. Yeah. That's part of the reasons why, why I wrote the book. Yeah. So, so let's jump back to the book a little bit. Um, you said that the reason well, was- before, before we do that, can I just say that in Salem, um, literally you can, experience a ghost anywhere in town i've had some i wrote about it in the book as well uh anywhere in town that you that no one ever talks about you might have an experience that's what's great that's one of the great things about salem where have you have you had it uh where have you had experiences in salem um well it's, i did write a chapter about it in the book called ghosts of salem uh, but i've had experiences near the old town hall really weird i got a really great and I wish I had it, I could show you. Um, it's on my other, it's on, on my old laptop. I got a really great ghost picture from from that, just just snapping a picture of what I thought was cool. You know, it's all it's all brick there. It's very ambient. Um, I was there one night and there was no one else around. I was like, oh, this is not gonna happen again. Let me get a, let me get a photo. Then all of a sudden there's this uh, ghost lady like in my face. I snapped a picture like literally one second later, uh, the same thing to see if I could follow it and it was it was gone. Uh, and then I've actually had an experience in the actual basement where the witch dungeon was at. So, oh wow, that was very cool. Um, the, before before the, I guess it's the um, there's a there's a there's a tour that goes through there now, uh, something 1692 tour, mm -hmm. um, in in prison 1692 tour, which is which is you know, spoiler alert on the book. I recommend the tour. Just because you get to go to the, you get to go into the basement and, and the, where the victims of the same witch trials were held, uh, this terrible, terrible location. There's a lot of, lot of bad energy there. Um, but before that, it was just a big wide open basement space. I don't know if you remember the Spellbound Museum. Mm, it, I don't think so. Probably about 2000, from like, till about 2010. It's a paranormal museum that had, you know, uh, Witch boards and a voodoo room and a witchcraft room and a vampire room. I had like a 17th century vampire hunting kit, which was cool. Uh, but the first year that she had that museum, she had a she had a room in the basement of that building, and that's how I got down there. Oh wow, that's so cool! Back before the the old dilapidated jail was condos and a video game bar. Right. <laughs> it was still an old dilapidated jail. Right. <laughs> By the way, I've had experiences in the bit bar as well in that in that jail setting too. So have you really? Uh, not not huge ones, but like sometimes you know you put drinks down and they'll slide across the table. That happened to me once. Imagine being a ghost and <laughs> like a witch trials victim ghost and being stuck in bit bar. 
<laughs> How annoying would that be? Just constant you'd, clanging of arcade machines. You'd be entertained at least, I guess. I'm sure you would. I have this great picture. It's maybe my favorite picture I've ever taken in Salem of uh, Bitbar on Halloween night in the back room where the pinball machines are. Mm -hmm. And it's the pinball machines. <laughs> Everyone that's on them is in costume. And that's my great. favorite one is Michael Myers, full Michael Myers regalia, jumpsuit, mask, everything. Big dude, like like Michael Myers size guy playing pinball. He's he's a foot and a half taller than everyone around him. It's just my favorite. It's the most Salem thing I've ever. <laughs> it's so perfect. That is a Salem. That is a Salem. Only can only can only happen in Salem. Right. So what's your draw? I think you know, like if you had to, if you had to give someone a log line that's saying like, hey, Ron, you go to Salem all the time. Why? What is it? What is it about the place? I I get the feeling that um, in when you walk into Salem, it's, you almost you can't deny it. There's a feeling in that city that anything can happen at any time and it wouldn't be that unusual. Like I think right. we're there maybe are used to it because I think because of the witch trials and, and the city's had a pretty morose history outside of the witch trials as well. I think that general area um, has been stained with this energy that's just palpable when you walk down Essex Street, when you walk down Derby Street, like you can, you can feel it. And it gives you that, that feeling that, man, anything could happen tonight here in this town. It's one of yeah. the, it's one of those cities. Do you that, feel that way outside of the Halloween season too, when you're there in the off season? Do you have yeah, yeah. The couple of times I've been there in the off season. Yeah, I have felt like that. Yeah. What's really cool, what you, you alluded to this before with your favorite thing, uh, and no, on November 1st, which I've never been able to experience because we stay off property and I'm rarely there on Halloween itself. Uh, but the, the really, a really cool experience is just, you know, just walking the streets at like 1130 midnight because they're completely empty most of the time. Yeah. That experience, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday in October. Yeah. Yeah. There's something, um, it is hard to, it, maybe it does have to do with the history maybe it has to do with the transient nature of the place i've talked to a witch witch friend of mine about it and that's her theory if she says that any of these places that have sort of a liminal energy meaning that they're a place that people more often pass through than than mm. remain um it can it, it somehow creates some sort of like spiritual vector of of strange uh, energies that are divergent and confluent and and all over the place and so the sense that anything could happen happen you know perhaps even permeates down into like a deeper than material plane where literally any spiritual manifestation could occur too sure and i'm sure that all the different forms uh, of witchcraft that are being practiced there certainly have an effect on the general atmosphere of the city as well i know there's I mean, from the people that I know there, I know there's at least five different branches of witchcraft being practiced there, and I'm yeah. sure I'm, I'm sure there's a ton more than that. Uh, that's just the ones that I know I've known of over the last twenty years or so. Yeah, yeah, and then now you have. But, the... I mean, there's there's what you know, there's a dozen um, witch shops there, and I'm sure they each have their own branch of the religion that they practice. Definitely, definitely, they, and they each come from. Well, now there's the Satanic Temple too, which you could say is not 
strictly religious, but definitely the layman would say that it's religious, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. um, they would see it as Satanism as some sort of religious thing. That branch of Satanism isn't, but, um, but to the outside perspective, yeah, it's like all of these different forms of spiritual practice present there, plus the Christians. The Christianity is still very much alive in Salem. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Very much. They still protest on Halloween. They still do that whole thing. Um, do you well, think- I've seen some, that's some of the, the theatrical Christianity, but uh, I believe Salem, from what I've experienced also has just some of the, hey, we're Christians, we're just good people, we're just, this is where we live. Yeah, yeah, especially recently. It seems like a pretty diverse spiritual community generally that's pretty accepting of of most you know expressions of religious yeah sure and and cultural lifestyle as well it seems pretty open yeah a lot of, a lot of churches are um evolving with with what's happening culturally yeah yeah they'll still charge you 20 dollars to park in their parking lot uh, <laughs> you gotta make money <laughs> which which is yeah make some money if you can do it make some money i guess right right so at what point did you you you've got a podcast called the salem 1692 podcast mm -hmm. um tell us a little bit about about when that started and why it started and what it is well it's a podcast that covers the salem witch trials uh chronologically like right now in the podcast i'm in the middle of august 1692 we're actually uh, I just released an episode a couple days ago. We're on the eve of the execution of John Proctor and uh, John Willard, George Burroughs, Morocco Carrier um, in August of 1692. And the reason that I started the podcast was because I, I searched for a podcast about that. Like, I already know the history. I've been studying this for years or so. Uh, but I thought there would be something out there that would go through the history. And there has been seasons, seasons. Like I know it's a really big podcast and they did a season on those kind of witch trials and they're real big into like, we're going to interview these experts on seven witch trials. Like we're going to interview uh, Marilyn K. Roach. We're going to interview Mary Beth Norton. Um, that's, I'm just going for a straight history lesson. If you want to know what actually happened during the witch trials, no propaganda, no one, no one else's point of view. I'm going straight from the original documentation and then using some books that have been written about the Salem witch trials as, um, as like side information. And, and I'm also using the format of really digestible 15 to 20 minute episodes. So I'm not logging you down with an hour and a half episode uh, of heavy, heavy American history. Right. <laughs> it's not like what we're doing right, right here. We're not, I'm not sharing stories. Uh, we're not having, you know, um, experiences. I'm, I'm just straight telling you what happened. Not every once in a while, I can't help myself and I'll interject an opinion in there. But for the most part, it's pretty straightforward as to what just happened. And it's based on a podcast called History According to Bob. And this guy was a, was a, his, a college history professor and seems to know everything there is to know about history. And he would spit out little 15 minute podcasts and then over the course of a few months you would get the entire civil war explained to you pretty well and you would you would retain more of it because it was in such little doses that's why i'm doing that with the uh, the salem 1692 podcast now, i'm not being able to put out as many on a regular schedule as i would like i have to kind of pop them in uh to where i can as i was writing 
uh, that book, and I at one point was working two jobs. Uh, so got to fit them in where I can. But uh, if you've ever wanted to know what actually happened uh, during the Salem Witch Trials, that this is a good good way to do it. Like, and since they're only 15, 20 minutes long, I mean, you can binge listen to them to get caught up really easily. I just put out episode 40. Yeah. Um, so it's about maybe a total of like 10 hours worth of material. Right, right. Most of them coming uh, straight from the, the original documents. I got this bad boy right here. Which there is, it is. is all just uh, copies of the original documentation. Yeah. What that book is. And I bought that from the Salem Witch Museum, uh, by the way, which is another incredible resource for stuff that actually happened um, in, in 1692 in, in Salem. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say it's, it's the authoritative Salem Witch Trials history podcast, to my mind. I don't know. Anybody I, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that quote. Use it. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely, uh, people watching and listening to this, check it out if you're interested in witch history, uh, the witch trials history. No one is doing it more deeply or more nuanced or even really trying to do it that way. So, um, And we started, I started off with some things leading up to the witch trials. Like we didn't start off right with the witch trials. Right. Obviously, I started off with the Goodwin case in Boston because that was very heavily influential yeah. in who uh, the witch trials, you know, and then the, uh, the Putnam's versus the Porters plays a big role in the witch trials. So we had to cover that real, real fast before we went into the witch trials. And the plan is even when the Salem witch trials are over, uh, like the podcast isn't going to be over. I'm going to continue on with the history of Salem. because Salem's had a pretty, uh, a pretty fun history after the Salem witch trials. Plus uh, the, after effects of the witch trials that affected Salem, I mean, pretty much still to this day. Oh, yeah. And we'll, we'll work our way into how it became uh, a tourist town and what it's like there today as well. That's awesome, man. Um, what, what is it about that period of time, do you think, for you that, that holds such fascination? I think because it's, it's such a, it's such a, honest time uh like we know we have the ability to look back upon it and see for example see what happened during the witch trials to see how it affected uh that colony in particular see how it affected all of the colonies in particular after that so we have all that like now what's happening now in america we don't really know how it's going to affect history and we won't know because we won't live long enough how people in the future are going to look back on this and you know see is it was it really as tumultuous as you know they said when they were living it uh now we have tons of documentation via social media and things but back then all they had was you know paper and a i don't know a a feather some (laughs) with some ink Uh, luckily for us a ton of documents have survived uh over you know 320 years for the same witch trials in general uh, i've always been interested in early american history just because of the formation uh of the country and it's very intriguing to me that the people who founded the country were at the right place at the right time 
uh, you know, and, and just to think like, what if it had been other people right. <laughs> that weren't as uh, intelligent or as patient in, in creating the country, it would have had a whole different situation going on here. Maybe we don't have the democracy that we have today. Maybe we're living in um, some sort of, you know, oligarchy where the transfer of power only happens violently instead. Right. I mean, we're the only, we're, we're one of very few countries where the transfer of power happens peacefully, you know, from one president to the next. And so the whole step of our country, and also it's, it's, it's kind of fun because unlike Europe uh, or Africa, where their history is literally thousands, if not millions of years old, um, ours is a few hundred years. So we can go, we can go back to, I can go to Salem and I can, we know where the meeting house was and I can look at that area and even though it's not there, you know, you, you can take a picture, you can envision it. We can go to the uh, Rebecca nurse homestead and look at the nurse family graveyard and be fairly sure somewhere in this area, Rebecca nurse is buried. Uh, we just don't know quite where, uh, which would be an interesting, study for people who have that kind of technology available to them to try to find where she's buried at. Yeah, yeah. And who Josh Gates is? I don't think so. Josh Gates is a, is a host of like a paranormal slash adventure series where he just, it's called Destination Unknown. It's on like Travel Channel, uh, where he just goes and investigates mysteries around the world. Like he's the modern day Indiana Jones. Okay. <laughs> And he was in Salem, like the like the first place he went to when he got out of his house was he, he was like a few weeks ago he went to Salem. And I was just kind of wondering like what's he what's he out there for like huh. be on the TV show and that popped in my head. I'm like maybe he's gonna try to find out if Rebecca Nurse is actually buried in that graveyard. Uh, That'd be I interesting. Was there so you can do the tunnels too. There's a series of um, I don't know if you if you've had a chance to read much about the tunnels under Salem. Uh, or talk to many people, but there's a. I did. I I did do the 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 tunnels, the smugglers run tunnels tour. Oh, I did that one too. Um, where you kind of look into the tunnels, but I I've never been into them. I've read a little bit about them. I've never obviously I've never been. There's there's a whole series of um, really strange events connected to the tunnels, and a lot of history there that's like oral history still. Mm -hmm. uh, so it would be. I mean, I've thought for a while, for a few years, that those tunnels are really an opportunity for someone who has the resources and a team to, you know, illuminate a whole chapter of Salem's history through their building, uh, all the way really up until they shut them down post-prohibition. And they didn't really shut them down. So you've got a few hundred years of smuggling going on, of bootlegging, of slave trades. I mean, you've got all kinds of stuff going on in those tunnels that we just don't know fully what's down there, what, what it's even connected to. The tunnel map isn't complete. Like it's, it's pretty wide mm -hmm. open still. Um, so that could be a And see, thing. and that's, that's one of the amazing things about, about Salem. When you think we, we can't possibly have uncovered anything else, this whole new world in there yeah. that we don't, we don't even know what's down there. No, we've got bits and pieces of it, but nobody's, nobody's really, done it yet I don't think nobody's really put it together and a lot of that's because the tunnel's connected to private property they're connected to mm -hmm. businesses they open up in the basement basement of businesses so it's hard to 
coordinate. I know Ron Kolek, the paranormal investigator, tried to do something with it, but he couldn't get he couldn't get too into it because business leaders were like, "Nah, you're not gonna go rummage around in our basement," <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, that's fascinating. Yeah, there's always there's always new stuff being uncovered. Like even when I went the first year, I went in 2001. Um, you're talking 310 years after the Salem witch trials. Like, what else could possibly be uncovered? Well, that year, 2001, I believe it was on Halloween, uh, they finally, you know, acquitted the rest of the victims of the same witch trials by name. Yeah. Or never mentioned by name. I, I, I think there was five. I know Susanna Martin was one for sure. Um, and they were like, yeah, these people weren't witches. But so by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, we don't recognize them as such. And we know basically restoring uh, their name in 2001. And then here we are in 2000, what was it, 16, 2017, they finally said, yeah, so we're pretty sure this is where these people were hung. Now there's a memorial out there at Proctor's Ledge behind a Walgreens. <laughs> but you know. It keeps we, happening. You know, maybe maybe if, if, if that had been preserved, there wouldn't be a Walgreens there. Right, right. But things are still being uncovered, you know, to this day. I mean, it's crazy. So as, as someone who is very much uh, tapped in the sandwich trials, do you think that, that they are adequately represented or that that history is adequately represented in Salem? Well, the story of Salem and Danvers is kind of go together. And I said, because Danvers used to be Salem Village, uh, but Danvers was, had, had Richard Trask, and Salem didn't. So Richard right. was very much into preserving all of that history, digging up the foundation of the parsonage, you know, uh, building the replica of the meeting house of the Rebecca Nurse Homestead. And then Salem was very much of the mind that we want to forget that this happened. We, we don't want people to, to associate us with, I mean, for a while, obviously, that's not the case today. Uh, we don't want people to associate us with this witchcraft, this, this badness that happened. Um, so they, from what I understand, I mean, they pretty much went out of their way to destroy anything that had anything to do uh, with the Salem witch trials. So when they decided, maybe we need to embrace this, um, they did what they could. And I think, I think, you know, for it being 300 plus years ago, and this is partially due to the town of Salem and, and a lot to do with the people who, who love the history uh, and went out of their way to research and went out of their way to uh, cultivate that in Salem. I think it's probably the, about the best that it could be other than people in the 1700s, you know, saying this is an important historical location, we need to preserve this, which did not happen. Right, right. You have the Witch Trial Memorial, you have a bunch of muse, you know, museums that tell the stories uh, and things, which I was thinking about this last night, actually, uh, when I was, I started reading a new book uh, about Salem. And I was like, you know, people say that, you know, it's uh, exploitative, ex exploit, were exploiting the victims uh, of the witch trials uh, by making this into like a tourist location. But I think the places that have to do with the actual witch trials aren't um, as exploitive. 
you know, they're pretty reverent in towards the victims of the witch trials, towards the people who were who were involved. And again, uh, it's a terrible tragedy that these 20 plus people died in jail. Uh, people lost their lives and how many ever other, how many other lives were ruined because uh, of the witch trials. But then again, if they were just farmers who lived their life out and nothing ever happened to them, we wouldn't know their names. Yeah, we, it's, it's tricky. We wouldn't know their stories. It's tricky that the, the entire, well, you, in my perspective, you have to look at it from a few angles. Like there's the historical angle, which is the one you were talking about. Is mm. it, is it, I don't know, does it violate something historically or in the way of accuracy to have these attractions or museums propping up history that's like outdated or, or just untrue, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I went into the Salem Witch Museum actually not long ago just to revisit it. I've only, I've only actually done that thing like four times, <laughs> oddly enough. You'd think I would have done a lot more, but I don't actually go in it that much. Um, but I, went I in go there. into the gift shop every year. They have a great gift shop. Yeah, I do the same thing. I do the gift shop, but I don't actually do the exhibit. But I did it recently, and I was listening and watching it and just kind of struck by how much, how much of that exhibit is a little outdated, not just in terms of like, you know, the figurines, which were clearly mm -hmm. made in the 70s, but the history is a little bit wrong. Yeah. And, and uh, there's a bunch of places like that in Salem. So you can look at it from that angle where it's like, uh, is it violating history somehow to have it commercialized? But then there's also the spiritual or religious angle, which is like, is it, you know, this was a big deal when Lori Cabot was hot on the scene. She's still around, obviously, but she's not as big of an influence as she once was. Mm. She was hot on the scene, her and Christian Day and that whole group. Um, the big thing was they were kind of adopting, the criticism was that they were adopting the 20 executed um, to say that they had somehow died for, in the name of religious tolerance and that they had died to, you know, in, in a way to like uh, 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 almost four contemporary witches, like that, that their death opened up a religious tolerance space that contemporary witches feel like they snug and fit into. Mm -hmm. And so they sort of like revere them as, as witches, quote unquote, even though they, they acknowledge that they weren't actual capital W witches. Um, so there's that argument is like, is the commercialization somehow a spiritual violation because we've turned a town that was, you know, the, the story of the Salem witch trials is really the story of puritanical religious fanaticism and divergent worldviews colliding and a series of, as you well know, a series of influences that were very real and present and dangerous all coalescing into this one moment that was a storm that no one could seem to get out of. So to take all of that and like say, you know, to put a, a witch's hat on it and throw candy corn on it mm. seems disingenuous. Um, and then finally, there's the there's the whole thing about commercializing a tragedy at all. You know, uh, commercializing the death of all of these people, um, brutal, horrible deaths. Um, you know, in, in one case, you've got a four year old girl. Uh, a four-year-old child who was put in jail and never recovered, 
really mm -hmm. totally mentally scarred um, and lived a horrible life because of what happened. So real, real, real deep down atrocities that are, are turned into entertainment, basically, depending on where you go. Um, and I'm kind of guilty of it too, to be honest, you know, this, this audio drama I've got coming out tomorrow, some of my Salem witch trials videos, which are exploring, attempting to explore the life of, of the people caught up. Those are definitely narrativized and there's definitely like an attempt to, you know, move things around a little bit so it's more clearly communicated. So I don't know, I'm, I'm in this weird place where it's like, while, while I get all of that criticism and I get that, that this kind of blatant commercialization and reframing of narratives to suit different ends for different people is ethically questionable. What, what I also, on the other side of the argument, I come back and I say, yeah, but um, if you want a Halloween town and if you want a witch city, you kind of have to do it. You know? That, that's the evolution of Salem, if you look at it from a historical perspective, even just from the 70s when the tourism first started with the Salem Witch Museum, as you were talking about uh, before, which I believe their stance on, on their um, presentation is that that point of view is now um, part of history. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, I get it. It's a, it's a little confusing because I don't say that, right, at the yeah, very yeah. beginning. Um, but definitely over the years since the Salem Witch Museum, the Salem Witch History Museum, you know, the Salem Wax Museum, uh, the Salem Dungeon Museum, all these museums, um, since those have gone up, the overall, the overall point of view as to what happened, why it happened has all changed and they have not evolved uh, with it. So I see what you're saying with the misnarratives. Uh, sometimes, but it all is interesting, even from the 70s, to see how this place has evolved into Halloween Town, uh, a haven for those who practice uh, witchcraft, which is kind of weird that this is where alleged witches were murdered. So all of us who are witches, we're going to we're going to all converse onto this one right. thing, uh, and then create this unique uh, form of energy. Um, which, yeah, it's a little, if you sit down and think about it, it is a little, um, I don't want to say shady. It's not shady, uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, but then again, we have all of these, they say people live, live through, um, like, have you ever seen the movie Coco? Yeah. So, you know, you go to the other world and tell people in the real world, forget about you. And then you go to some other place and just completely disappear out of existence. Well, we're keeping, I feel like we're keeping these people's spirits alive by telling their stories, by um, realizing, and, and it's a very important lesson that as a country, we play over and over and over again. Yeah, we, we haven't learned it, I don't think. We, it constantly happens with, you know, McCarthyism, um, with the satanic panic, with uh, even even uh, with you know people of Middle Eastern descent after after two thousand one after nine eleven, it was the same the same thing. So it's a, a different different face on an old facade, uh, but this is a lesson that needs to be taught 
And I say several times in my podcast too, like I'm not making this up guys. This isn't a movie. Uh, you know, I'm not telling a fictional story. I'm this action, these things as crazy as it sounds actually happen to real people, you know, in the 17th century, uh, you know, I'm not, this isn't something that I've created in my head to entertain you. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's a lesson that needs to be taught and whether or not people learn it when they have you know, their souvenir witch hat on and they're, and they're drinking their super hocus pocus frappuccino right. got at one of the local coffee shops and they're worried about their, you know, their walking tour in a, about an hour, whether or not that they actually, uh, that actually sinks into them, you know, we did the best we could by actually letting you know and telling you to learn it is an, each, each, to each individual person is something that they have to do on their own. Uh, but it's a lesson that needs to be taught and a history that needs to be um, uh, taken care of. The history needs to be, that needs to be there. Yeah. Is, is there anything you'd change about the, uh, let's, let's say, let's go back to like October of last year, pre-COVID era Salem, because we obviously have no idea what's going to happen in the wake of Halloween sure. effectively being canceled, but pre-COVID era Salem, is there anything you would change about the Salem tourism slash attraction presentation? Is there anything that, that strikes you as like could be done better or or uh, you just don't like? Well, I wish they would weed out a couple of tours <laughs> of them now. It's uh, when I first got there, there was like uh, five, maybe six total. Um, now there's just so many of them. They just cover all. It's all the same thing for the most. I mean, aside from a few tours, um, I mean, I have my favorites. I list them in the book. Um, the you know the there's like five or six that are just interchangeable. And it's kind of funny when you when you're not on a tour and you're just walking through like um, down what they call the, the haunted neighborhood. I don't know what the name of that street actually is. I don't either. Off the haunted neighborhood. Yeah. That's the Witch Trial Memorial. And there's like six different tours that have all converged onto the Witch Trial Memorial. That's where they all end up at. So they all have their, they all have their security people and they all have their microphones um, and they're like dueling uh, uh, tours. Uh, other than that, I wish there was something that went out to Danvers. I mean, I wish there was like, uh, if you could take a three hour definitive Witch Trial trolley you know, that hit all of the main spots in Salem, maybe a walking portion. Then you get on the trolley, you go out to uh, Danvers and hit those locations out there. That is, it's just about the history of the witch trials. Because a lot of these, because now that Jim McAllister doesn't do tourists anymore, he, I mean, I think he does it by like reservation, like you can book him or whatever. He doesn't have a nightly tour anymore. I don't believe, maybe the Salem Historical Tour Society has a tour. Uh, and I think it's in the daytime, but I don't believe there is, aside from that one, there's not many tourists that just do Salem Witch Trial stuff. Yeah. They're just like, there was a ghost here. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a place where a person was pressed to death. The only time it's ever happened in American history. Right. Uh, here is an arcade bar. <laughs> right. <laughs> do, you, do you have any um, feelings about uh, Peabody Essex Museum and, and sort of their, I would say, very distanced or lukewarm um, 
willingness to participate in anything having to do with the witch trials? I, with witch trials, uh, we say this as they have all the documents available for anyone right. to right. come and see, um, which means I have to get there before April. Like this is the only time in my life I'm gonna be able to see this. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's such, it's such a, a catch 22 that the person, the, the, the entity that owns most of the stuff related to the seven witch trials is the one entity who doesn't want to, uh, to market that and, and make them available for people. Although I, I, from what I understand, the documents are very frail. They're over 300 years old. So. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. They have to be, have you been there yet? You seen it yet? No, I was gonna go last time I was in town, but it was already it, last time I was there was um uh I guess a week and a half or so into October or a week into October, something like that. It was early, but it was already swamped already. That's kind of why I went because I wasn't sure I was trying to follow, you know, the Halloween updates, but mm -hmm. it was hard to tell just how because you know people post on reddit and facebook and stuff but that's not reflective of reality so i wanted to go and see what it was actually looking like and yeah man uh, there was there was lines out the door to everything a bunch of people without masks and i think that's when i kind of decided like oh this isn't gonna be sure. good in three weeks but the the peabody was slammed so i was just like I'm, i'll just come back in November or something. Yeah, they fill out, it seems like every single day I have the Salem app and then you get the little notification. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it'll be there till April. So I'll hit it up hopefully in the, the spring before yeah. they put them away again forever. It, it, it's, a, it's a little uh, disheartening that they have control over so much of the Salem witch trial stuff and they seem to not, they seem to not want to be part of the Salem tourism um, they kind of distance themselves from the Halloween tourism uh, and the witch trial tourism, which is kind of one and the same. Yeah. Um, although I think that maybe they're coming around. They had the the Monsters Alive um, thing a few years ago. Which is great, yeah. With the classic Universal monster stuff, the Kirk Hammett collection. Kirk Hammett, yeah. And then this year they're doing the, they actually are showing the the actual documents from the Salem witch trials. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe somebody uh, got empowered in there. It was like, hey, we have this stuff let's let's make some money off of it and let's they're they're really the only ones who could stop it i mean i bring this i bring this point up a lot to people who you know my mom and sister both have come and have come from tennessee now to do halloween in salem with me and and they both had similar feelings which was like why are there so many museums this doesn't make <laughs> sense like why shouldn't there just be one and my response is like well there is one they're just deciding not to be the one Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so pem is really to my mind the only one who could if 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 we want to say that the attraction or salem witch draws attraction market in salem is somewhat diluted by nonsense if we wanted to go that far um you would then say that the only people who could probably clean that nonsense up would be pem um and the way that they would do that is just by having a permanent display um do you think it would clean it up though I think it might. I think like, is the Salem Witch History Museum going to go out of business if if the Peabody Essex Museum has a permanent permanent Salem Witch Trials attraction? I think I don't know. I don't know that they go out of business, but I think it's a lot harder to, you know, there's two things. Donna, who who works at Salem State and does the Streets of Salem blog, which uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure you've come across, mm -hmm. she has a really interesting point. Uh, she's one of my favorite Salem thinkers. I, 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 adore her and her blog. 
she has a really interesting point about the word museum, which is like, you know, not every town allows this kind of thing. Where, yeah, absolutely. So, so the fact that you have all of these museums in the first place is problematic. And if PEM, I guess my point is, is that if PEM wanted to put up something permanent and wanted it to be, and wanted to lean into, you know, we're going to take over this space because we're really the only ones who can and say, you know, we, we can present this as accurately, accurately as anyone else can, more accurately than anyone else can, and we can evolve with the narrative as the narrative becomes more clear in a way that these private institutions can't necessarily, which would be true, I think. Um, no, that's absolutely, they, that's absolutely true, yeah. Yeah, and then they say, okay, now the second step is we have to make it clear that we're historically authentic, mm -hmm. and in so doing, that distinguishes them from places that wouldn't be. I know it's a lot of ifs, but I don't think it's a. I don't think it's outside the realm of even like remote possibility that if they wanted to, they could become the Salem Witch Trials actual history presentation, which I think would leave really only the thematic presentation to the places who do it very very well, which in my mind are places like the Salem Witch Museum mm -hmm. or the Witch Dungeon Museum. Um, places where the history isn't really what you're going for. I mean, it's nice, but but the thematic nature of it is, you know, my, my problem with these attractions isn't, isn't that they're there necessarily. It's that it's like, if you're gonna be leaning on the thematic nature of what you're doing, then lean hard and make it good, you know, make, <laughs> go, go all in, you know, say, say this is narrative say we're playing with history, say we're, we're presenting a Salem Witch Trials experience for you. We're not trying to present history as it actually was necessarily. Our primary focus is to give you an experience that, that illuminates your understanding of the Salem Witch Trials in a more contextual way than purely factual. Um, but a lot of these places don't do that either. It's like clearly just, just profiteering, which, you know. Yeah, the Salem Witch History tourist trap doesn't have quite the ring to it. Right. <laughs> Although I would respect it, honestly, it'd be more honest. <laughs> uh, along those, along those same lines, I mean, like like you mentioned, the 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 Salem Witch Museum has done an amazing job of trying to be that, but they just don't have the physical attributes to do that. Like they yeah. don't have the documentation. They don't have the documentation. They don't have the staff. They don't have you know it it. It's a big they, the, they probably, I mean, I don't know their resources, but they probably don't have the resources that the Peabody Essex Museum has. Oh, God, no. And even, even if the Peabody Essex Museum were to do that and someone were to get into power there that were to be big on, hey, we're going to, we're going to be the definitive Salem Witch Trial history, keepers of the Salem Witch Trial history. We have all the documentation. We own most of the, the land uh, around this area. We can do a really good job of it. Um, I don't think that it would be because they can't tell every story, and sure. there's there is there are so many there are so many stories involved with the Salem witch trials that there would still be room for you know the Salem witch museum the Salem uh, dungeon witch dungeon yeah uh, because they're not because they're not going to do a recreation of the dungeon area and what it was like so there'll be there'd be a need for that. And the presentation would have to change and from being there for 20 years, I can tell you that the presentation in these um, museums um, have not changed in no, 20 it hasn't. <laughs> Nothing, nothing's changed. 
it's still the same. The mannequins, the tour guides have changed. Right. You, you threw. Right. Um, that's about it. So. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying I want it to happen. It just seems obvious to me that, that if we're concerned with adequate representation of the history, not full comprehensive representation, because as you say, that, that would be almost impossible. You would need mm-hmm. like a, a mm-hmm. theme park devoted to the history in order to pull that off. But if we're concerned with the adequate representation of the, whatever our confines of history are, I don't know who else could do it. And right now, no one really is doing it because they can't, you know, it's PIM. So I don't know. I, I go back and forth on that, though, man, if I'm honest. I, I, have this, I have this debate with myself probably 20 times a year, as I'm sure you have similar debates with yourself, where it's like sometimes I'm in Salem and I'm walking around and I'm just so sick of it. I'm so sick of all this, like... <laughs> You know, um, so the thing that drew me there in the first place has morphed into the thing that I'm like, God, why, that just needs to go away. That needs <laughs> to be replaced by something with, with more weight to it or something like that. But then sometimes I'm in Salem and I'm like, oh, I just want to go in there and have a good time, you know? I, so Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and I, and, you know, and that's part of the reason why, why I wrote the book. Um, cause I, you know, in, in the book, I declare myself Salem's number one tourist because, uh, you know, I'm coming from a thousand miles uh, every year. You know, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I know people who live there. Um, I, I know shop owners there, um, and they're in there. And, and one of the reasons that I wrote the book was because there are tourist traps of this, you know, at least I like the Salem Witch History Museum. It's not, you know, it's not the greatest thing ever. Uh, but you're going to get some stories in relation to the Salem Witchcraft Trial. It's going to be presented in a different way than anybody else presents it. But there are just some locations there. And I don't want to mention any by name. I don't want to, like, slander anyone. Sure. Uh, that just aren't, even if you've never been there, it's just not worth, not worth going. Yeah. Uh, and that... That Lizzie Borden Museum that I spoke about earlier was one of those places. So I just wanted to have a reference guide for someone who who maybe it's their first time in Salem. They they're going to be there for two days. Um, you know, don't waste your money on this. This is what you this is what you need to do because it's hard to tell. And and, and tell. Salem's become a big enough tourist attraction. I've seen it grow for twenty years, and I'm sure it grew immensely. You know, from the '80s when it started. To 2001 as well. Um, it's it's much much bigger than it was in in 2001. I felt like we're there's so many resources available now, but this there's not this one definitive like book that you can pick up and be like, okay, so you know this is the kind of food that they serve at the you know at the um, red sandwich shop, right? Is this a place that I want to look into? Uh, you know, this is what they cover on this tour. Is this a tour that I want? You know, there's barkers everywhere in Salem. You know, take our tour. We're going to show you the most haunted locations in Salem. Uh, you know, then you take the tour and you're like, ah, you know, I could have just done that. Right. Really give me much information. Uh, so like any other tourist town, there's going to be stuff that's actually really creative and takes advantage of the town's history or takes advantage of the area. Uh, and there's going to be stuff that's just thrown together to make a buck. Right. Right. Yeah. 
this uh, is trying to trying to like lure you away from the stuff that's just trying to get a buck out of you uh, at the same time i you know i've overheard at, at this point like pe when i go to salem uh people think that i'm a i'm, I'm a resident uh, so they asked me all these, you know, like, hey, do you know what I, of course I know where things at. So it's not, it's not a big deal. I can tell them where, where things are at, but I overheard conversations where people are talking about, oh, well, this, this, you know, for example, um, there's a place called Gallows Hill Theater. Is that have anything to do with the witch trials? Um, and I hear those conversations and I want to be like, no, but it's super great. And you should go anyway. Uh, yeah. but really have much to do with the witch trials and that's what you're looking for right 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 so let's do um oh i apologize for the background noise here they just showed up to start cutting my grass apologies <laughs> listeners you're gonna hear people cutting grass in october because apparently that's a thing um, uh so let's do uh, let's close this out i think this will be fun let's do some rapid fire of sam's okay. number one tourist uh yep. rapid fire destinations, things to check out, restaurants, however you want to interpret it, just places to go in Salem for a variety of groups, all right? So okay. first off, people who are there for Halloween, Halloween lovers, your Hocus Pocus fans. Uh, Gallus Hill Theater and Lost Museum. Great. Uh, history lovers. Salem Witch Museum. That's a good one. Uh, paranormal people. Although I would say for history lovers, create your own create your own tour yeah yeah well what if we do two what if we say salem history lovers and witch trials history lovers witch trials history lovers definitely the salem witch trials um history lovers uh i would suggest doing the um the hocus pocus tours has a cell phone guided tour now i would suggest that oh yeah yeah, yeah. good idea um Witches, actual witches, Wiccans, Western esotericists. If you're, uh, you know, if you're a, a witch, witchy type person, and you get to say, I mean, you can't find a place to go to, <laughs> you know. But as far as witch museums go, or witch shops go, uh, I, I would, I'd probably start with Hex. Yeah, yeah. They, the people who did Hex, um, started the new one too, uh, Pentacle or Pentagram. Pentagram. Oh, Pentagram is an offshoot of Hex and Omen. Uh huh. Oh, I didn't know that was a Christian and Brian thing. It's not Christian and Brian. It's two other hex people. Um, God, what are their names? I'll have to look into it. Oh, they're always, the hex people are always opening up their new, yeah, yeah, <laughs> new yeah, locations. Yeah, yeah. Like I, the Black Cauldron, uh, Cauldron Black is a hex person as well. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. No, it's yeah. not Christian and Brian. It's the, it's but the you movie. can't, you can't go wrong with any of the witch shops there. But uh, I, my are, are hex and um, Coven's Cottage is really a newer one. That's been, that's really good too. I like Coven's Cods because they don't like take pictures. I love that. <laughs> I love that they preserve this air of mystery that they don't want you to take pictures of. Um, New, England New England magic's like that too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. They say it messes with the energy, which makes sense. Right, makes sense to me. Um, how about uh, old folks, retirees? Uh, trolley tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Salem is very, very hard uh, on the feet. And that's I would true. Seven Gables. Oh yeah, Gables is a good one. Historical um, landmark. Yeah, they probably won't be able to get up the Hidden Passage though. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> well, they have the they have the the chicken exit. We just wait down there. So that's true. Um, what about the hidden passages? The hidden hidden passage is really cool. It is really cool. If you get a chance to do it, you should definitely yeah. do it. Um, 
What about couples, newlyweds, people there on their honeymoon, that sort of thing? If you're there on your honeymoon, you're probably of the spooky variety. So I'm going to say that Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery is a definite must for you. Uh, and I would say if you're on your honeymoon, if you can, you're not there in October, but you probably are if you're that kind of person. Uh, if you can book it, then definitely get the Hawthorne. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen the uh, the new Pennywise at Orlock's yet? Uh, yes, yes I have. Okay, it's wonderful. Um, yeah, I've had um, uh, I've had James Lurgio, the writer of Count Orlock's, on my uh, my other horror movie podcast a few times. He's he's a really fun guest. What is that? What is your horror movie podcast? Just so the listeners can check it out. Uh, it's called the Resurrection of Zombie Seven podcast. And it began uh, years ago, we, we were on our, our eighth year, uh, ninth year. Um, we started off as a franchise horror podcast, like we would do every movie of a franchise in order. Uh, and then we've cut back, we cut, we've cut back, and now we do like one show a month, a couple of shows that have uh, a running theme between them. Uh, for October, we're, we're doing one, one a week, but we don't usually, uh, we don't usually uh, just a Halloween thing. What do you, what do you got coming up? on that show so we had for october of 2020 we have um a new show every saturday uh which is a movie that takes place on halloween night oh how fun yeah so we've done like cp hollow and we did a really bad 80s uh movie called jacko uh at the time of this recording the movie that comes out tomorrow is uh an 80s like not quite a classic, but kind of well known in the horror um, universe called Trick or Treat. Not Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat, starring who played Skippy from uh, Family Ties. <laughs> okay. Yes, appearances from Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons. Nice, nice. It's all about a kid getting possessed because he played his record backwards. Oh my God. Record. Hey, when that happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Salem, it could happen in Salem. It, it would happen, happen in Salem. Salem. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Ron. Uh, um, where can people find out more about you? Where can people get the book? Um, uh, what social media profiles are you on? So I'm on uh, a Facebook. You can hit Discover Salem on Facebook. That's that's all me. Um, I'm on Twitter at Salem Discover because when I went to Twitter to try to create a profile for Discover Salem, at Discover Salem was already taken. A uh, little did I know that it was taken by me eight years ago until one of my friends pointed it out to me and I was like, oh, well, I already have this other one at, <laughs> at Salem Discover. Uh, so those are the two places that you can find me on social media uh, as far as websites and podcasts and things. The Salem 692 podcast and the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast should be able to be found anywhere you catch podcasts. Um, the Salem 692 podcast can be found on IHateStuff.net. I tend to be a pretty harsh critic when it comes to movies. That's the name. I hate stuff. Uh, oh, I hate stuff. A horror tinged pop culture website. I'll post articles there about random pop culture stuff, usually dealing with horror, but not always dealing with the horror genre. I don't know if, don't know if you can tell. I I tend to like uh, horror movies. I do see. See, what am I seeing back there? I'm seeing the guy from Scream. I'm seeing Jason. Yeah, Scream. I got all the people who play Jason's autographs at various conventions. Oh wow. Um, this is my Stephen King uh, bookshelf. So, uh, and then the the resurrection of Zombie Seven. If you're into horror movies, is uh, on zombie7.com. Awesome. 
is available on Amazon. Literally, you type Discover Salem into a Google search bar. I think it's like the fourth, the fourth thing that gets hit. So uh, $12 for the paperback, $8 for the ebook. And the plan is to, uh, like, for example, if you have your favorite uh, guidebook for Disney World, it would get updated every year. So the plan is to update uh, the book uh, every year because Salem changes constantly. And this book will be obsolete within two or three years. Like there are already things that have been added to Salem uh, since I've since I've um, published the book. So I'll have to add those things next year. Yeah. Well, I highly recommend it. Anyone who is thinking about coming to Salem, even if you're not sure when you're going, because things are a little strange right now with the pandemic. I would say go ahead and get it if you know you want to go at some point because it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a good proxy. Yeah. I think it's a good proxy. Uh, for not going like you can at least see what's there and, and what you'd like to hit up and and there's some like touring plans in there like like we just the little rapid fire thing that we just did uh, and a lot of little sections like you know where can you find Nathaniel Hawthorne in Salem uh, here are some locations right right well, cool. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. This is fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, you stuck with us through the entire episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you for checking out this episode of the Salem Witch Podcast. Ron Martin is a fascinating dude, is he not? A really, really cool guy. Check out all of his work in the description. Please do go support him. He is, like me, a small content creator just doing it for the love of the game. And uh, those kinds of people need all the support they can get. Trust me. I know. Hey, there's a new YouTube channel. If you go to the Two Salem YouTube channel, or you could just go search for it in the, the, the search box. I don't know why it was hard to think of the word box, but it was. It's called Salem Witch Clips, and that's me. And basically what I've done is I've set up another channel filled with clips from the Salem Witch Podcast, because these conversations tend to be like an hour to two hours long. I know not everybody has time for that. So if you just want to see little itty bitty clips of the people that you hear on this podcast, or you really want to listen to a specific part of podcast or whatever, go over there, check out Salem Witch Clips, go ahead and subscribe to that. I'm not going to be doing segments on the podcast if you're listening. So also, if you just want to check out specific little segments from episodes, that's the best place. And I think it's probably going to be the only place to uh, to get that experience. Salem Witch Clips on YouTube. Thank you so, so much for checking out this episode. We got a lot of really, really, really cool stuff coming up next time on the show. We have Mr. Travis McKin McHenry. Travis McHenry. He made this deck right here, this tarot deck. This is called the Occult Tarot. If you're listening, uh, just go Google Occult Tarot and look it up. Very, very cool tarot deck. He's made many other tarot decks, but that is not all that he does. He is also an author, a writer, a director, an actor, a former uh, Navy intelligence officer, a CEO, and the ruler of his own country. Yes, you heard that correctly. I did not make that up. You'll have to tune in to check out what that is all about. Please do subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Rate, review, share, increase engagement for maximum profit. Stay weird, witches. See you next time.